If you've recently discovered that your favorite podcast app is secretly on the run from both the CIA and the KGB, and you're in need of a replacement, check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. There's thousands of good reviews, so you know you're not hooking up with some deadbeat jerk. That's the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. If you're enjoying Listener Request Month, head over to patreon.com slash dissectingthe80s because there's another episode coming out in just a short little while. That's right, another episode. We have more than 15 hours of bonus content there at the $5 tier, so check it out, patreon.com slash dissectingthe80s, and see if there's one that's right for you. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers, and with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man I have not been shoved into an adventure with. Well, I guess technically, kind of, right? Like I was not—I was not involved in your your arrival. So technically, my outrageous fortune half, the Macho Man Andrew Lano, and we've certainly done it in theme parks. So, well, I'm just saying we've—I, you know, I've never never been on the run from both you know a bunch of alphabet on the land but but, you know i didn't i didn't choose your arrival on earth necessarily right like they didn't choose to be partners i didn't i didn't know i wasn't involved i was not consulted uh anyway it's the final episode of well the final main feed episode of listener request month uh a little bit of silliness here with bet midler and Shelly, I'm going to do it a hundred times, I swear. Shelly Long. Her name is Shelly Long. So let's hear it from listener Lynn, who we call Mom. Hi, boys. It's your mom. I'm calling to suggest Outrageous Fortune from 1987 with Bette Midler and Shelly Duvall. Is it Shelly Duvall? No, I don't think it is. It's it's Shelly Long from uh, Cheers. I was going to suggest Working Girl, but I already talked to you about that. So it's a... Bette Midler is quite a gem in Outrageous Fortune. I thought you guys would kind of like it. Love you guys. Have fun. Bye. Uh, hopefully this will not be a situation like Valley Girl where she asks us to do a movie and then really gets upset when we hate I don't think so. Because so, I, I enjoyed this. W- I didn't hate Valley Girl, step one. But step two, I like this way more than Valley Girl, which isn't shocking. Yeah. Uh, well, we watched Outrageous Fortune, so you know what that means. We got to go back. We got to go dissect the 80s. It's your lunchbox full of cash. Something's got a bit about your lunchbox full of cash. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Mega powers, yeah. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Really underrated prop. It is, and it's it's such a beautiful, like from a a, a script writing, a screenwriting perspective. Like it's such a perfect tool to be like, oh, we our protagonists need money, but they can't just have money for the rest of the movie because then all the problems go away. So right. like, oh, we'll introduce it. They get it. Da da da. It helps them through a portion, and then they have to use it to escape. So it's not like they just lost it right. or like. This is a rescue. It's a. This is an escort mission in a video game. You can't have your gun out at all, or otherwise the person cries and that attracts zombies. Like no, they they used right. the thing to get away. 
Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I, I was like, even as it's happening in the movie, I was like, now wait a minute, that's going to be very useful, very I was shortly. like, oh, what great, are, are they just going to breeze through everything? No. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we start with some, some sword well, play. We start with uh, an eight, a beautifully 80s play. montage. We do, we do. Actually, it's funny, I ended up writing this note way later in it, but uh, I missed the Alan Silvestri credit up here at the top, and... There's a point later, which I'll, you know, bring up when we get there, but they're, they're like on the run. It's like an action score. And I'm like, man, this is like exactly what I think of for action sequence in a comedy music from the eighties. And like, it feels like something that would have been in summer mm-hmm. rental, which has like, you know, an action, I guess it's not action. It's like an action montage, right? The, like, t- the regatta at the in- end, you mean? More when they're like fixing. Well, I know they do Jimmy Buffett when they fix it up, but like when they're like running around and trying to get the parts and stuff. It's not action in the like action movie sense, but action in the like Doing people are thing. physically performing actions. Yes, yes, an active part of the movie. Um, but I was like, yeah, man, this feels like this could be in like a summer rental or even like a Beverly Hills Cop or something like that. And then I look it up. It's like, oh, you think that it would fit in summer rental? Perhaps because Alan Silvestri scored both of those yes. movies. It's got it's got a great score. It's it's you're right. It's the perfect. This is a comedy with some action in it. Score. Yes. Yeah. It's like a you know Reese's peanut butter cup situation. You, mm-hmm. know, you got a little action in your comedy. You got a little comedy in your action. This is the right and kind of headed by two ladies, which like I'm about super that. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've we've talked about Shelley Long before because we've done other movies with her, but I'm always intrigued by how much people just fucking hate her guts <laughs> yeah it's so weird because it's uh, yeah because it's it seems to have all stemmed from the cheers like this cheers thing seems to be the main root of the thing right but but this movie bet midler's like yeah i had fun making the movie but i did not have fun working with her <laughs> maybe she's just like not fun to work with so what I've seen, I tried to get to the bottom of this while I was watching also, the movie. Because she's also Carol Brady everything. in the Brady Bunch movies, which I just watched recently, and they fucking slap. She, yeah, they. I think those movies are sneaky great, actually, is what the phrase What's his I name, Jan? Um, I always chalked a little bit of this up to casual misogyny. Like, if a dude did some of the things she did, certainly nobody would, like, cause a, a ruckus over it and mm-hmm. be like, oh, he's kind of a pain in the ass. But it wouldn't be, like, you know, blackballed. But I think part of it, and I was trying to figure, get to the root of it, because we've talked about the cheer story before. I don't want to rehash all that. But essentially, she, like, got into it with producers over something they wanted to do, and she left. Um, she wanted to do movies as well, so obviously that makes sense. People said it was like a loose, fun set and that she was very serious. And I, I, I have not been an actor, but I can even see that doing from her. like, yeah, but even in like the limited experience I have with like improv where it's like in the time before you go on, some people are chatterboxes and some people get really quiet and there's like a few different modes people slip into. Yeah. And I imagine it's the same when you've been for me. I mean, it depends on the role for me. Like I did a role once where like I was a dead soldier or some shit, some student written piece. And like for that, I like went away from everyone and found a dark room and just sat and listened to some music for 10 minutes. And that like put me in my space. And then I've been in shows where I'm like, yeah. if we're not all like not actually but if we're not all taking shots and and having a a fun time in the room i'm not gonna get ready for this so like it depends on the role yeah and i think the other factor is like being on a movie set of any type 
is a weird place. Like the the atmosphere is odd. There's there's always a, a portion of the people that are like working their asses off, and then a portion of the well between. This is like the, when they're filming, everybody's working their tail off, and then when you're not filming, like certain crew members are working their ass off, and other people are just like sitting and waiting for their job to be complete so that they can start working again. And I think when you're doing that on TV, especially back in the way they used to shoot these three camera shows, where it was like like you were moving, yeah. you know, and so. Some people are like probably trying to stay loose and have fun and, Ted and you know, whatever. And like he's right, he seems right. to be just like a a loosey goosey charming kind of man, right? And so it's like if he wants to be cracking jokes and you know pretend to drink the beer and be funny, and she's like trying to rehearse. There's gonna be conflict of personality there where she's like, "Well, you fuck off," and he's like, "Wow, she sucks, huh?" You know, like I get how although that happens. he apparently I've read in interviews has not has said like we got along fine. We just did not mesh like she was he like talked about how she was a great part of the show and like she was a key player in aspects of it. But I think he's acknowledging he was like, there's no animosity. We just are two different people. Right. But if you have that and I think that's a good point, I'm glad you brought it up. If you have that exact thing of like, it's fine, but we don't mesh with like half or more of the cast. It suddenly is a yeah. thing, you know, mm. and it's it's like I don't have any ill will toward them, but I don't super enjoy their company. Well, if you got to spend 50 or so hours a week with that person, like that sucks. Yeah. Well, and when it becomes like if you I don't remember the phrasing, but it's like if you wake up in the morning, you meet an asshole and you go to bed, you met an asshole. If you wake up in the morning and yeah. everyone you meet is an asshole and you go to bed, you might be the asshole. Right, uh, right. So anyway, I've never met Shelley Long, no. but I always am fascinated when we do movies with her because it's like, man, people really hate her guts. And it's not even like a she's not talented. Like she's she's been she's good in everything I've ever seen her in. Like I she, I would even say and this is this is high praise and although it's going to sound like I'm damning her with faint praise playing a person with a stick up their ass that is not someone that you want to launch into space is really hard and she is one of the best to ever do yeah that. i can i can agree with that it's like you there is a way that you play this character she is in this movie and you're like i just really want bet midler to throw her off the train or <laughs> you know off the cliff or whatever you yeah. know what i mean and i don't I, I don't know if i speak for you but like i never got there but i was always consistently like oh my god jelly log jesus Christ. yeah i i agree because well there were parts because clearly she's the straight man to bet midler yes yes and there are times when i thought her version of a straight man was a bit too cartoonish which like i'll give you that i'm sure she was just like trying to match bet's energy because bet midler is iconic like capital i iconic and like the way she performs and holds herself and everything so it's only natural that you would sort of even subconsciously try like start to like match that a little bit and there are times where it's like oh shelly you can bring it down like you don't need to be there bet's there right 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 yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I also think that, like, so, certain times the scenes, like, call for it and all the energy comes yeah. up. But, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, I also, I don't remember when it happened. The only time we ever watched, I watched the wrong movie for the podcast. Do you remember what it was? You watched, uh, when we watched, we each, like, we switched weeks. You watched the, the, the yeah, the episode. Um... I was just scrolling back through old Facebook posts and deleting them on the podcast. And I remember seeing the announcement, but I don't, it was like August of last, I think it was the one we did alligator. You're right. That's what it was. 
So for some reason, I think because Ruthless People was also in the list of things people recommended and it's been on my short list, my brain kept, and it's also a Bette Midler movie with Danny DeVito. Right. So my brain was like, right, oh, right, I right. think I think that's what it is. So like I read the first like sent the blurb on Wikipedia of like Ruthless People. It's like, it's about a man who was going to murder his wife and she gets kidnapped instead by other people. And I was like, oh, wacky. And then I pulled... I pulled up Outrageous Fortune, like consciously pulled up Outrageous Fortune, started watching it, and I was like, when is Danny DeVito going to show up with Bette Midler? <laughs> it was like, because Bette Midler shows up pretty quickly. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You swap out Peter Coyote for Danny DeVito, better movie. No, because then he's Much stealing funnier. the movie. I don't, yeah. want, I don't. What's wrong with that? I don't want that. Like, that. this movie is Bette's movie. I don't need it I to be Danny DeVito's in... movie. I don't think he's in the movie enough to do the thing you're saying. I think you're not giving Danny DeVito enough credit for what he can do. <laughs> I want I want twins Danny DeVito in this movie. I think that would be a hoot. What this is leading to, I think, is going to just be like DeVito Appreciation Month at some point oh, yeah. down the road where there's just a lot of DeVito content on the podcast. Hang on. Give me one second to see if there's any month of the year or... November, November, Juni DeVito. Yeah, there's not a great one. It's 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 often it's often difficult to even make a sweaty pun yeah. happen. Shelley Long is open movie opens and I was like, oh, Shelley Long is everyone I hated in theater school. I that's I was. <laughs> Literally thinking that the whole time of this movie of like, oh man, Andrew's gonna have some things to say. He's gonna be some. Like, he either was Shelley Long or hated Shelley Long in theater school. Right, no in between. And I think they're doing uh, Shakespeare sword fighting. I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is gonna come back. And it really kind of like, doesn't. This There's like one. So, full disclosure: my other option for my thing from the be- that that, that uh, Doc screams in the beginning of the episode was gonna be Chekhov's everything movie. Because there are yes, yes. a solid 15 checkoffs sprinkled throughout this movie. And I think because they did so many, none of them are that important. Right. I like. I was like, certainly there's going to be a scene later in this movie where she has to do some improvised sword play to save the day. And she does kind of do like that, but it's seconds. very quick. Yeah, it's like... It's so quick that you're like, we really didn't need to preamble that. Like she, like she picks up a stick and swings it. That's something any human being can do. We don't need to know she's a swordsman. Yeah, yeah, they're doing uh, fencing, but like also when you're doing stage acting, you wouldn't be fen- Like it just seems so the setup. To the, it's like gym class in movies where it's like, yes, that's not how this works. <laughs> Right. And yeah, I was thinking the same thing because stage combat is necessarily very big and fencing is like very small. Like I, I did a, I did a, I, you know, do a freelance reporting thing. I did a story about this fencing club a couple of years ago and the guy was like, do you want to try it? And I was like, um, yeah, sure. What the hell? Like I've always kind of been interested. And I was like, if you have fencing gear that will fit me, which was not a guarantee, then yes, I'd like to try it. And he, of course, like, wasn't being a dick, but he's a fencing instructor, so he's very talented at it. And so he was like, "All right, come at me." And he was, I would like kind of do it, you know, a little bit slow. He's like, "No, just come blundering at me. Like, just, it'll be more fun if you do this poorly." And so I came in, like, coming like, like a, a teenage mutant like, ninja turtle. 
Basically, yes, yes. And he'd like, he'd be like, you know, you know, he'd flick it away and then just tap me. And it's like, oh, yeah, he like he's he, did, he, he does like, that thing where they and swirl har- theirs around yours and they flick it and they disarm you. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't quite that big. I asked if he could do that. And he said, probably he put the blade under your really chin and lifted it up a little bit. <laughs> no, honestly, he was like, take up like a baseball swing. So I came in really hot and he barely had to move his wrist to like deflect it and then get me. Which is what I thought was interesting, but he was like, "That's that's what most people think a sword fight is." He's like, that's "Honestly, broad sword fencing fighting. is all that is a broad right. sword he's fight." Like, fencing is fencing is just little wrist movements. And he's like, "This is the first lesson I like to teach people." And I was like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." And then you know he taught me a thing or two, and it was kind of fun. But it seems like way too finessey for, but also for what like they'd be doing with on stage a combat. Show. It's like you would have you have unarmed, and then you have armed with like a knife or a dagger, and then you would move up to like a broadsword or a bigger sword. You wouldn't get into fencing because fencing is so specific. It would be like this production wants to do fencing. So we're right. going to teach the people in our cast at whatever nebulous theater school or whatever the hell Shelley's doing in the beginning of this movie wouldn't just have fencing. That wouldn't make any sense. Right. I could, and I was like, I was racking my brain. I was like, maybe Spamalot has a lot of sword fighting, but it doesn't seem like something that was frequently part of a lot of Broadway. No, 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 no. Um, I do really like this next bit where um, I always forget his real Christopher name. Christopher McDonald. Christopher. Okay. Uh, I just know him as Shooter McGavin from. I mean, yes, I had. He's, I Google. He's yeah. always Shooter McGavin to me. Uh, but he he like starts hitting on Shelley Long and she's like, uh, aren't you gay? And he's like, yeah, but I always play straight characters. So I thought it would be good research. I thought that was delightful. It was. It's, he. he he gets exactly like four lines in this movie, and I thought it was a very memorable four lines. Mm-hmm. Did you also? They also throw in uh, the fact that Shelley Long can grand jeté farther than anyone else in the ballet studio, and they—I missed that. You how it comes up right after the fencing? Because I was probably writing a note about the thing. Yeah, that so they're all the like, classes all lined up, and the teachers like marking on the floor with chalk, like how far each student gets, and putting an initial next to it. And then Shelley Long just like dunks on everyone and goes like four feet farther. And they clearly Shelley Long can't do that. So like they show right. her and then they have her walk like the camera pulls back and pans in a, like a semicircle around a pillar that she crosses. So the pillar is in between her and the camera at one point. And then all of a sudden it's just her from the back. And I was like, oh, look, a ballet stunt double. <laughs> it was like the backflip in uh, the last episode. Yes. Down the stairs. I think I, I I should clarify. I did see her jumping. I missed the thing with oh, the chalk. Yeah, like I I saw the establishment that she can jump far, but not the not the. It's competition interesting part. because she seems like, like I said, the girl everyone would have hated in theater class, and like mm-hmm. everyone's kind of like oh, fuck, showing us like trying to do better. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. we find out that she doesn't work. Like she's not a work. Like she can't get any work. So I'm just like I'm very confused by this character choice. Right. Right. So she's leaving class and we find out that there's a class available. It's essentially Stanislavski, yeah. who is a very famous actor. It is teacher. a wink, wink, it's, Stanislavski reference. Right. Uh, who is, we find out soon, to be played by the lovely Robert Prosky. Love him. Uh, who, <laughs> great character actor, wonderful in Great Outdoors. Last action hero. Wonderful. Wonderful and last action hero, but uh, a very memorable one to me is the bus driver in Mrs. Doubtfire who hits on Mrs. Oh, Doubtfire that's all the time. Right. 
I hope you have someone nice and warm, somewhere nice and warm to go home to. The, isn't he and like that European the look? hairy legs. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, the hairy legs, he's like into it. And and he's in Gremlins too. That's right, that's right. And then a really nice bit of acting from, so Shelly sees that and her friend's like, how the hell are you going to pay for that? And so Shelly goes to an intercom and my brain was like, oh, Bette Midler is going to be her friend. And like a rich mm. person, this is the Danny DeVito yeah. of it. Did you did you did you actually catch her walk by Bet on the phone? Yes. In this instance, okay, because it's a real blink and you mm. miss it sort of situation. Um, so it's this moment where she's at the intercom to a building and she's putting on an accent to like breeze into the door, and then you find out it's her parents' house and she's trying to like ch- cheat her way in to ask them for money. Right, right. And they have the the call box on the wall. And then on the other opposite that high up is a camera facing the door. Not ideal for like a, it is no. not the angle. I, it should have been on top of the door like, facing down. Right. I think that's on purpose though, is like, they're so douchey. They're trying to disorient the people trying to visit them. Uh, yeah. But she, this great bit of acting where she's like throwing her attention to the call box and up to the thing and trying to open the door. It's, it's some great physical acting from her. I think this scene is legitimately great. She's begging her parents for money and the mom and dad are fighting. The mom's like, no, absolutely not. And the dad's like, come on, it's our baby. We got to give her the money. You never see them. You just hear the voices. The mom says, because she's like, oh, I I need $5,000 for acting classes. And she's like, we sent you to London Academy of Acting and New York Academy of Acting and like list these prestigious, like not real, but like prestigious sounding schools. And like, she's like, we paid for ballet training and music training and you don't make any money acting. Maybe it's time to give up. And I was like... I mean, if all that's true, maybe, uh, maybe it is time to, like, you tried. Yeah. And your parents supported you a lot more than most people do, so, uh. Right. Maybe it's time to get that teaching certificate, or whatever it is for you. Or anything beyond, uh, uh, the cashier at a costume supply store. Right, right. So, there's a big audition, and she's, like, having a panic attack, basically, in the waiting room to audition for this fake Stanislavski, and Bette Midler comes breezing in. We had seen her on the phone. Oh, no, she basically kicks open the door and is like, I need to use a phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the the receptionist is like, oh, the dad throws a check. We should see that dad, like, throws a check out the window, and she catches it in the air, which is a... Also a funny bit of physical business. Um, But this bit from Bette Midler, I thought was going to culminate with the person, uh, the Stanislavski guy, seeing it and then offering her a spot. I 100% thought that same thing. I think is better than what they do in the movie. I'm not patting myself on the back too hard here, but it's like, it builds up to this. She's like telling the story on the phone of like begging for an extension and she's like kind of befriending the phone person. It's very much like uh, someone pointed this out to me recently of how it's become like all customer service now has become figure out which angle lets you do the most social engineering to get what you oh, want. Yeah. It's like, do I tweet? Do I call? But it's all social engineering to just like, you know, be nice enough to a person that they do something they're probably not supposed to do to help you out because all these co- companies have the worst policies. Well, and it's also the, what what tactic is going to work with this person? Do I get a little firm? Right, exactly. Do I butter him up? Do I right. give him a story? Which, which angle is going to... Right. Exactly. All that stuff is exactly how it is. And they even play with that a little bit later in this movie as well. Uh, but the I just I think it would have been a better scene if 
Because Shelley Long keeps interrupting and she's like, there are people here who are trying to audition and you're being extremely inconsiderate. And, you know, she's getting all flustered. And Bit Miller's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. What is this acting school or something? I just feel like it would have been so much better if she hangs up the phone, having clearly been doing a bit. And then Stanislavski is like just slow clapping by himself from the yeah. doorway. It's better. And then Shelley Long gets to freak out some more. I th- yeah, I think if they had done it in a way that like, as Shelley Long is trying to fit, do, put her hand in her application, Bet's coming in behind her, like trying to get to the phone, and then the exchange of like, yes. "This is a prestigious acting school," and Bet's like, "Oh, who cares?" and like set it up first so that that moment could pay off of the slow clap from Stanislavski. Yeah, yeah. But God, Bet Midler is so good in this movie. <laughs> oh, she is. She's really, really good in this movie, and I don't like her as much as you do, but I think she's really good in this movie. I also so, Shelley Long is dressed like she's about to go, you know, Laura Ingalls Wilder. Like I don't know what she's wearing. I thought the same thing. It's this very, very old-fashioned looking outfit. Like I thought she'd have on some sort of costumey something. I was picturing a, a blazer. Like I'm a serious woman in the '80s. I'm wearing a yeah, blazer and a blouse with a bow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've obviously never auditioned for anything, but it's like most of the time you dress like the part, at least for TV and, and movies. The thing I always hear is people try to dress sort of the vibe of the character they're performing to help. You, you dress the vibe. People. You don't come in a costume, but you yeah. dress the vibe. Like every time I auditioned for Peter Pan, I wore a green shirt. It's not a, yeah. I'm not coming in, you know, calling like a rooster and, you know, pulling a feather out of my hat. I mean, maybe you should have. No, no, I, I, I saw the writing on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> but I was I was like, I'm going to wear a green shirt, and that's going to be my thing. I mean, you would be the most memorable audition of the day if you swung in on a rope and landed and stuck the landing and put your hands on your hips and were like, come on, everybody, here we go. implying that at a Disney audition, you're guaranteed to do anything other than stand in a line. Well, that's what I'm saying. you got to find a rope to swing upon. So here's where we meet the Stanislavski Also, guy. I will just say this. We do Shelley's like, because Shelly berates Bette Midler when she's like, I'll make something up. I'll go into the room and make something up. And she's like, you have to come in with something classical. That's why I'm doing Ophelia's monologue from Hamlet. And I was like, oh, you picked the most basic monologue from the most basic play <laughs> from Shakespeare? Well done. Right. Yeah. And then later... Does she want to play Ophelia? No, she wants to play later, Hamlet. Or does she want to play Hamlet? Okay, because it's a much stronger choice to come in with a Hamlet monologue. Much stronger. Exactly. Exactly. It's different, it's weird, and it makes people think. Also, I uh, was reading an article in research for the last movie about Kathleen Turner. So I guess this is the dif- also sneakily the difficult women month. Oh, I um, know she was difficult. Oh, Kathleen yeah. Turner? I thought we talked about this in the I don't in think we episode. Did. did we not? Because I love her. Oh, we should have. We should have talked about that, but I'm not going to do that in this movie. We got enough to talk about here. But Kathleen Turner talked about wanting to play. Oh, man. Hamlet's dad is king. Oh, she was going to play um, Gertrude? No, no, no. She wanted to play the king. Oh, she wanted to play uh, Claudius. I think so Hamlet's so, dad is Hamlet. Okay. So King Claudius is Hamlet's dad's brother who kills him and usurps the throne. Okay. She wanted, and maybe I'm getting my Shakespeare all mixed up here, but she wanted to play 
the part where they like she dismisses the daughters of and talks about their wombs being barren and stuff. Is that Hamlet or am I getting them my Shakespeare? It's probably Hamlet, but I, I'm not the okay. Anyway, I've I've succeeded in butchering the few this Shakespeare's I know. I know well. if, if it's not one of those, I'm okay. I should. It's not relevant to this episode anyway, so it's fine. If you're interested, look up Kathleen Turner and Shakespeare. I'm sure you'll find the story better than I can shakily relay it here. That's funny because because Kathleen Turner was got the role in Serial Mom because she made zero demands. Yeah, she she was the she actually most of the things that caused her issues was the fact that she was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and was very sick and didn't really talk about it, so people didn't quite know. But she. You know, was she had a reputation as being very demanding and a huge pain in the hmm. ass. Oh, it's who was the. She was in Hellboy and she was in Legally Blonde. She just came out a few years ago. Selma Blair. Yeah, she came out a few years ago saying that she I think she has MS, I want to say. She, yeah, she walks with mm-hmm. a cane. Yeah. So anyway, we uh, we go to the costume shop where where she works. I was shocked she wasn't even like a. Like, no offense to, you know, people who work, whatever, but, like, the way they were talking about it, I was like, oh, she's supporting herself, so she works like a Macy's, like a perfume counter. She's like a high-end, sure. like, she can she can pitch anybody, because she's, you know, an actress or whatever. But no, right, right, she's right, just, right. like, kind of working at a place that is sort of inconsequential to her. Yeah, it's very strange. So this man comes in. And he starts talking, and I'm like, oh my God, what what is it? So his I voice just is recently, capital T, capital V, the voice. Well, I just recently uh, was on a road trip and was listening to some books on tape, and I had been talking about this book, Hatchet, that I read a bunch of times. Oh, it, yeah, kids, uh, Paul know. Gary? Gary Paul. Thank you. So he, it's about this kid who gets in a plane crash and he survives in the woods with basically nothing but a hatchet. And Peter Coyote narrates this book very well. It's a good voice, very good reading voice. But I was like, what the hell do I know this guy from? And then I'm like looking at his IMDb credits and I can't find it. And I keep watching, keep watching, keep watching. And finally he says a word and it makes the flashbulb go off in my brain. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's the, the hatchet reader. That's what yeah. it is. I just listened to him for hours. Also, he was in E.T. and many things that people But his know, voice so, is well-known. He was the voice of the Oscars for a while. Oh, that's right. That's right. But he comes in with some story about how he needs a pumpkin costume for a kid in his class. A poor a kid. A poor kid with no self-esteem. And then Shelley Long's like, well, we don't have anything like that here, but I make some costumes. I love, I, love I love that the counter is like, how about a gourd then like hey buddy go for tomato like (laughs) yeah and she's like i could probably make your pumpkin costume and i was like girl in what like i make costumes professionally and if someone was like i need a pumpkin costume i'd be like i don't even know how much to charge you like how i would do that you're gonna come back to me in two weeks after i've laid out all these papers and taped things together that shape that I think will make a pumpkin shape and we'll go from there. She's like, I'll do it tonight for $50. Well, I was going to say it solves the problem of how much to charge because he has but $50 available to him. True. Very true. Which may not even have even been enough to rent the costume. Truth be told. 
I mean, you could probably get away with like if you're if you're spinning the story like I'm a teach a school teacher at elementary. It's a poor kid. Like they might get, they might slide you a discount. You might get a discount because you're just renting one pump. It's not like a pumpkin. It's not like you're like I want to rent one part of your Beauty and the Beast lineup for a sure, two nights. Sure, like sure. I'm renting your pumpkin. <laughs> right. So he they, they they sleep together and he's hand rolling a cigarette after, which is later useful information in the movie. But I'm like, God, that seems like such a pain in the right? ass if you're a smoker. Good lord. And this is where I realized that um Shelley Long has some big Allison Hannigan energy, particularly in the like Buffy kind of days of Allison Hannigan. Not that I don't I haven't watched her in, yeah, I could see, I could see what you're talking much about now. But uh she comes to school all chipper, basically Ron Burg Ron, Ron Burgundy. Ron Swanson in his Burgundy polo. Yeah, yeah. And Bette Midler's like, oh, you got fucked, huh? <laughs> Jelly Long is so horrified. By this Her reaction to that was, when... it was very much, I was like, oh, I can see Willow in the bucket hat with the with the daisy on it and the overalls. Yeah, yeah. Earlier, Bette Midler is like, you need to get laid, lady. And she was like, oh, well, I never. Like, ah, stop being so white. So now we're taking acting lessons, and we have this montage where it's like acting lessons cut to really acrobatics. Well, this is what we also find out quickly that Bette Midler and Shelley Long are both sleeping with the guy. Right, right. Lots of acrobatic sex happening here. The 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 one scene was genuinely confusing to me of like where limbs were going yeah. and whose limbs were whose, and I was like uh what oh yeah okay i guess that makes sense we're in class and stanislavski starts choking and i was like oh it is acting class you want to see (laughs) (laughs) you you saw a lot of people get choked no 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 but acting class is a lot it's your teachers will pull a lot out of you i had a great i had great teachers but they things will happen and you will they will pull things out of you so Shelly freaks out about this, of course. It's like, what are you doing? You know, how could you do this to him? Uh, so he's like, well, you die then. He pretends to shoot her and she does this whole... It's like what you do with a little kid who pretends to shoot yes. you where you like grab your chest and put an arm up and you spin around and then finally collapse and, you know, cross your eyes and stick your tongue out. It's really bad. And he negs her. And I was like, oh, this is acting class. <laughs> I think this movie should have had a trigger warning. Right? I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is freshman year acting class where everyone was like, I've been the lead in my high school. And then you get to college and the professors are like, hey, you're nobody. Like, it's cool that you were great that you were great there. That's cool. Blank slate here, buddy. So Peter Coyote is in the back seat of a cab with Shelley Long, and he's like, "It's our three week anniversary. You know what that means? It's time for roses." And I was like, "Okay, buddy, slow down." Also, three week anniversary. Are we in high school? Right, three weeks. Even high schoolers would be like, "That's an odd number to be celebrating." Yeah, I feel like it was always month. It was a month anniversary for everyone in high school. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And to be fair, three months in high school is like ten years. It is. No, I just meant um, like it was always like our one month anniversary, our two month anniversary. Right, right. But he gets out of the car and walks into this flower shop, and I'm going, man, this this feels like the setup to a mob movie when they would blow up the. Oh my god, the flower I, shop exploded! My brain went, oh, is Bet gonna walk by and like 
go into the flower shop and see, and like they're gonna canoodle and she's gonna see through the window. I did. I don't have the the depth of mob movies to pull from. <laughs> it it was just framed exactly in the way when it's like, oh, this person's going to get some. Oh no, the oranges. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. And the florist shop fucking explodes. It's a really good movie explosion. I too. was so caught off guard because I was like, "Oh, ditto, ditto." And so we bet finds out about this at a bar, and then we see Shelley Long at the coroner's office or whatever, and she's like, "I'd like to see the body." And I was like, "What body? Like, didn't he right. explode? Like, right, right, right." Isn't this the part where it's a comedy and like there's four gurneys covered in different body parts, and they're like. I don't know. It's a Jenga puzzle up in here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it's, it, it might. This might be his arm. Does this look like his arm to you? So they're like, but for some reason, it's full. It's a full body. Uh, and then Bet comes in, and they fight about how they're both sleeping with the same man. Yeah, I will say this is my least favorite action bit in the movie. It's it's not a good fight. Like they needed to be knocking more shit around and like tongue depressors going flying and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, there's probably not. I was gonna say, I, was like, I don't know that. I don't know that they use a lot of tongue depressors in a morgue. <laughs> but like, I you know, I want you know boxes of gloves flying. You know, like I want a big you know grab a fistful of whatever, and it turns out to be rubber gloves, and there's just like you know rubber gloves everywhere and stuff. I just wanted more kinetic energy here. Yeah, it's definitely more of a scrap or a, sc- a scrapple. A grapple, a grapple, than it is yeah. like a fight, fight. Right, but well, I don't want them to like be. No, I don't want them to have like a slugfest. I just want it to be more over the top. Yeah, well. but that's what I mean. it was. It wasn't so much a fight, so much as like I'm gonna like grab him by the shoulders and and wiggle. But they knock the sheet off the dead guy, and I, I thought this was a very funny way to get out of this scene and like no, move oh, the plot. Yeah, forward. I thought it was great They're too. Like, yeah, this is they excellent. see the dead guy's dick and they're like. That can't be him. <laughs> like almost simultaneously, there's a wait a minute. That's not. I, was him. Like, I don't think I've seen that in a movie before. <laughs> no, I, I I don't think I have either. Uh, I really wanted this next scene. They go to the police, and the cop, Bette Miller, doesn't think they're going to believe them. And Shelley's like, "No, no, no, we got to go." I'm white. And the cop starts. L- yeah, exactly. The cop starts laughing at them like, oh, come on. And I really wanted Bette Midler to go off on like a thing about how fingerprints are unique and as are dicks. And that she would have been great. Like, the, she's like, yeah, like that feels like the energy of this character to me and not in like a gross, you know, like slut shamey way, but just that she'd be like, look, I can tell I you can, that every- I can name several people <laughs> in a dark room just by one thing alone, buddy. So. Right, right, exactly. I wanted, to, I wanted a little bit more of that, and it, you know, instead they just get laughed out of. The well, no, because Bet, Bet, uh, Shelley. I think basically they went in and were like, "We think the dead man is not the dead man," and like didn't give any evidence. And then Shelley can't say right. his penis is wrong because she's a white woman, right. and she can't say the word penis. Well, she's uptight. Well, she's <laughs> the other stuff. I'll give you white woman on. I don't know that the white woman. No, can't she's say penis. the whole the whole Long movie. Bet keeps penis. calling her a white woman, like waspy white yeah. woman and then <laughs> bet's like basically turns into may west which ben miller's very close to already but she like leans across the table and she's like other guys wouldn't be laughing at him in the locker room waka 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 right right that's the part where i was like i wanted her to yeah like- this would have been a great moment for that <laughs> i also wanted 
I also kind of wanted Bet to punch her in this next scene when they're like, yeah, because I, I wanted it to be like, oh, you're gonna fight me, and then Shelly Duvall, Shelly Long, Shelly Long is like <laughs> only has stage combat experience, <laughs> and exactly, Bet's like, exactly. oh, I get in three bar fights a month, boom, and then yeah, you can have exactly. the moment what... of like the raw steak on the reveal of the black eye. Sure. Yeah. I because because like we all know this is building towards the you know normally you have slobs v snobs. This is a slob snob team up, which is a more unusual setup. Mm-hmm. And you know we're building to that, so you just kind of want to get to it. Yeah. You know? And we see that they're secretly being filmed by a, a some kind of sneaky van with a camera. Yeah, it's like set up in the back of a dump truck or a trash it's truck. Very weird. Because normally it's, it's in movies, it's just like a van with with one wall as computers. Yeah, yeah. I did like that they went with a different sort of setup. I thought that was neat, but I, I just was wondering how it wasn't obvious to the people on the street that this trash truck had weird slits. In yeah. It. So they're each like, oh, I bet he's at my place. No, he's at my place. So they decide to go to Shelley Long's first. And her apartment has these weird, like, trellis doors on springs. Mm-hmm. It's, it looks like outside doors. Yeah, I thought so, too. <laughs> the better to do Romeo and Juliet's uh, Very true. monologues from, I suppose. So they go in, and they hear, like, wrestling and rattling, and they peek around the corner and see two guys, like, doing a, a movie robbery shakedown. And... Shelly starts to freak out and Bette goes, oh, relax, it's just thieves. And I was like, this is the New Yorker energy I want from Bette Midler. Exactly, exactly. And so they go to run away and there's a piano on the stairwell, which I love, like, it's just like (laughs) three stooges. uh, My only disappointment is I wanted them to hit, like, run by those guys, knocking them off the piano, which goes like clung 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 clung, or I wanted them the to like be like, "Excuse me," and like slide down, like butt slide down it, and so you'd have the like. That would be good. Yeah, that would also be solid. I would like that. Uh, so then they go to Bet's apartment, and I did not think we spent enough time in Bet's apartment. It is so cool looking. <laughs> it's also kind of a hovel. It is, which is very on brand for the character. But like, you walk in and you're you're like at an upper level and you look down into the she's got like a set, a bed set into the floor with like a circle bed it's real cool i also we, we did gloss over they get away from these bad guys by running all the way to the basement of the building and then they hide in the laundry machines and it's extremely well choreographed where they pop out like gophers from the laundry machines i, f- I forgot that, that happened before yeah it's great so i wonder if they didn't turn so like obviously in filming the movie world they didn't turn on the washers but they're in the kayfabe of the movie. The washers are continuing to go the whole time. And then yeah, they just yeah. stop and the g- women get out. And so I was like, I wonder if in the kayfabe of the movie, they just got into a stopped dryer and just like rolled themselves. <laughs> I'm doing a hand motion, there. listeners. <laughs> like, you know how they have the washers have the, the, the pokey outy bits to help agitate the clothes yeah yeah they were they were doing a hamster wheel yeah so i'm picturing bet midler and shelly long hamster wheeling inside giant industrial uh washing machines i mean very funny image i don't know what the answer in the kayfabe of the movie is but i like your explanation 
so they decide to track down Michael, the guy. And I, I was like, Shelley Long's been dating this guy for three weeks, and she acts as though they've been dating for four years. Yeah, she does seem like his betrothed, which is an odd energy. Yeah. So they go, she's like, oh, he only smokes these kind of cigarette or this kind of tobacco that he rolls himself. And it's only available at this place. And I was like, this, there was no Google. Like, how did you know that this was the only place in the city to get that? I like this only because it's a really silly Sherlock Holmesism where there is, uh, I don't know the name of the mystery, but one of the mysteries Sherlock solves is because he knows someone's tobacco by scent and therefore where they purchased uh-huh. it and, and how to track him down. So I liked this inane little detail being thrown in, but it is bonkers. It's way better for this movie if the line is, he told me you can only buy it at blank. Yes, I agree. Him him saying it makes more sense than her just knowing it in a pre-internet world. Yeah. And so they go in there to try and get information out of the, the clerk. And he's like, I'll tell you over drinks. And, I, and then Bette Midler likes, like cartoon slides into frame like, <laughs> yes. back up, Shelly, I got this. And turns on her like bombastic sexual self to get all the information they need out of the guy and like pretend like lying to that they're gonna blow him and she's like i need it thanks bye although (laughs) i like that a lot so at the end of the scene because he says oh he was in here he made a he bought 10 whatever and made a phone call and then he goes so should we do this out here or in the back i thought she was gonna say in the back we'll meet you there and then call like pick up the phone and be like can you tell me yes yeah last number dialed for something yeah but instead i love this recurring bit of the phone company i wish it happened one more time it needed to happen one more time i was convinced that the final thing with the the phone in george carlin's house was going to be the third callback yeah because she's got at this point uh, it's been probably like a month it's been three weeks since the acting class started so it's been about a month yeah yeah that lied about her you know phone bill and at this point, she's got like a relationship going with the phone guy. And it's it's fun. It's She's like, hey, I know one teensy little favor. Would you please look up this phone for me and tell me what the last number called was? It's just a it's a nice little bit that I feel like doesn't work in a 2021 movie. Like the idea of calling the no, phone company and, and ask like, yeah. Yeah, it would be some ridiculous like hacker friend dumbness that like it's much it's much simpler here and therefore much better, more entertaining. But he tells them that they the guy called a cab. So they go to the cab company and there's like a full on fist fight occurring between two cab drivers. It seems it's so weird, um, like a fight club type fist fight, not just. a Yeah, scuffle. it feels like an underground. Uh, I was like, is this a chop shop? Is this where right. we're going? Yeah, I thought it was a chop shop. Yeah, and so she sidles up to this dude who looks all of a pro wrestler vibe. So Ben walks in and pretends that she lost it, like something in the back of a cab. And I was like, "Oh, she's." I was like, "Good, Bet's taking the reins in this movie." Blah blah blah. blah. And then when the guy's like, "Oh, that's the cab driver who drove you," and it's this like very tall black man, and she's like, "Never mind, Shelly Winters, you." That's not even one of the Shellys we thought. (laughs) Not even one of the Shellys. Although, hey, Shelly Winters, isn't Shelly Winters the lady? Isn't Shelly Winters the lady who died? Inside Adventure? Yes, she is. Okay. Yes, she is. (laughs) Manifesting next (laughs) leap day. Um, And I was like, no, Bet, you do all the talking from now on. Because Shelly need, like, Shelly can't do this. 
And then it's like a weird, like, I guess it's supposed to be like, she's so uptight and like white bread, rich lady that like, she's like, mm-hmm. I can't talk to him. I went to a private school or something. And I was like, oh, what a, well, this is not the way to make that. Yeah. This is not the way to craft the joke of I'm a. I do not need the casual racism yeah. portion of the evening. Uh, and so then Bet's like, f- Shelly obviously screws up everything because she's a disaster. And then Bet has to be like, "How hey, you want you want a cool two hundred bucks cash under the table? Drive me to the right spot, and we'll then you get it. It's yours." And I was like, "This is I want free wheeling, wheeling and dealing, Bet Midler." <laughs> I do love Shelly Long being like, "And how are you going to pay for that?" And she's like, "That's future Bet's problem, <laughs> yeah." Essentially, and it's not. It, I yeah. love that it's not. That's someone else's problem. It's. I'll figure that out later. Yeah, exactly. That's a check I'm going to have to cash at some point, but not today. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm writing it and I will figure out how to fill it later. Exactly. Now I like, I want to watch Ruthless People just to be like, I want the Danny DeVito energy and the Bet energy, but like as a team up. Yeah. And that movie's not going to yeah. be a team up because obviously he's trying to kill her or whatever. But like, yeah, I would yeah. love have loved a, a like... Bonnie and Clyde, like two, two like slick con people, just like living their best life in Vegas with Bette Midler and yeah. uh, Danny DeVito. Yeah, that's on your brain, by the way, because it was one of the three Danny DeVito movies that uh, Tom. Suggested. It was. Yeah, I really like this next bit. They go into the, the, the this kid accosts them in the hallway, and they end up stealing his cap gun. He tries to rob them, and they basically are like, "No, give well, me that." Well, they Take they the give in first. They like give him their purse, and he accidentally fires his cap gun, and they realize that's what it is, and so they're like, "Get him!" So they go into the room where they think Peter Coyote is, and it's two dudes with a bunch of drugs and guns it's some and s- snorting drugs, whatever. Yeah, there's some snorting drugs. And Shelly Long starts doing our tough guy New York terrible voice as the bit. And she's like, oh, get up against the wall. You're going to get a bullet in your back. Go. It is so silly. that I was like, and it works. It like works on these guys. But the best part of this sequence is she's got them up against the wall with their hands on the wall with the cap gun. And Bette Midler just starts hucking guns and knives out the window. (laughs) Bette Midler casually throwing weapons out a window is a mood I didn't know existed. (laughs) She pats down the first guy, finds a knife, chucks it. Same thing with the second guy. Then she picks up like an AK-47 or something of that And just starts throwing all their guns out the window. Yes. It felt kind of almost Mel Brooksy. Like I was like, it's gonna build mm-hmm, to where she's mm-hmm. like throwing a cannon out the window. And yes, then that's what it feels as like. As they leave in a few minutes, every all the people on the street are gonna be like waving the guns around, like, I got a free gun. I thought it was building to a grenade. That would have been a very logical conclusion. Yeah, I thought that's where we were going. Um But instead the guy's like, look. We don't want any trouble. Why don't you open that lunchbox on the table there and see what's inside? I thought it, it was going to be a that bomb. And we don't have to fire. And we were going to get. We I were did too. Get sooty, explodey face, Bette Midler. Well, that's why I thought it was going to be. I, I thought. Oh. Because I thought it was a grenade coming. I was like, oh, it's going to be a bomb, and she's going to throw the bomb out the window, and then it's going to blow up, and it's going to be a whole big thing. But instead, it's just a lot of cash. It's a tin lunchbox full of money. 
so they decide. So Bet tosses one last gun out the window and they leave. And she, I was, I was like, this is perfect. This is exactly the energy for a Bet Midler I want. Of like, well, things just seem to work out, so we'll keep going. Sure. Yeah. She pays the cab driver to go to the airport, and uh, she, Bet goes. This lunchbox full of money is all the FBI we need to get the information we want out of these stupid airline workers. And as she like goes up and puts the thing on the counter, she hears the woman be like, "They tried to bribe me. How dare they?" And Bet's like, "Oh, never mind." I'm an airline official. Did you recognize? So Shelley does this. Did you recognize this actress's voice? I recognized her voice, but I looked through her credits and I could not solve the puzzle. It's your what favorite, it? Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Oh, I know she was in that, she but I did the, not. She was like, the like announcer in the submarine. Okay, okay. Tonight's food. Hey, man, tonight's you know dinner is beans or whatever. She. I thought she was. The lady in Monsters Inc. Roz? with this kind of voice, yeah, yeah, which is is a man, maybe. I don't know. Is that that's not Brad Bird doing it? No, that's Edna Mode. I'm not sure. Um, so Shelley Long puts a, a her neckerchief around her head like a babushka and starts doing like I uh, how to say uh, my, my father is coming from the country. Spins a whole yarn. And the woman's like, no, I'm not. I'm, I cannot tell you that information. But right. Then I, it's a nice moment of like, but you know what? That's the funnest thing I've seen the whole time I've worked at this airport. So I'll do it for you. Yeah, I thought that was nice. Like, it is very silly and, of course, ridiculous. But, you know, it's just, this it fits the tone. You made of this me movie laugh sure. at this job. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You weren't a dick. You just need something. Whatever. I'll take your money. Well, I thought we were going to get a. Um, I don't know. Sure. Maybe the. <laughs> this is a deep cut. Uh, little girl on the plane in red eye. We're like. She's nice to the little girl, and then the girl helps her when Killian Murphy attacks her. I've never seen Red really? Eye. I've never seen it. It's no, a fun I, one. It's, I have, I, so I've promoted this website for free before, where there's a great website called justwatch.com, where you can see where something is streaming, like what, what streaming service is on, which is extremely helpful for this particular podcast, and all podcasts about movies, I imagine. But I have a list on there. You can like add stuff to your watch list, as it were. And then every month on the first of the month, I go check and see if any of the movies I've been looking for have started streaming. Uh, like, oh, I, you know, when is it? So I've had Red Eye on there for like six months. I think now. I own it on I've, DVD. I've been wanting to watch it. It's a, it's a solid, it's a great West, little Wes Craven closed door mystery thing. Yeah. But the little. I'm almost done Wes Craven and almost done John Carpenter. So I'm like picking up stragglers at this yeah. point. But like. Rachel McAdams is nice to the little girl, and so the little girl trips Killian Murphy. Oh, don't spoil it for me. God, I just told you I haven't seen it. I don't think I'm spoiling anything. <laughs> now I got I'm gonna be the whole movie. I'll be like, where's the little girl who's trips? Who's gonna trip this Killian Murphy? Inco- it's, it is a it is a blink and you miss it, little girl. She shows up. Actually, no, she just shows up a couple times. It's like a little girl. Um, but I thought the given that the movie takes place on an airplane, it does seem unlikely that she would take an Uber out of the movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> they do. You got I mean, people get off the airplane. It. it does land eventually. <laughs> well, again, you're spoiling the movie. It's not a bomb movie. It's not a. 
I don't know anything about it. I just know it's that I want to watch on it. A plane. Leave me, leave me it alone. It is Killian Murphy on a plane. A much gentler Maybe he wants to blow it up. I love this. This is such a, like, oh, man, airline travel used to be real different, huh? She she starts scrolling through. Oh, if I put you on this flight, you can beat him to where he's going. But the plane leaves in one minute. And Bette Midler's like, I'll stall him. You get the tickets. And so Shelly has to get the, it's like, she gets all the way to the gate. She does. She's, she's waiting at the gate. Through yeah. the, all the metal detector and all that stuff. Um, but I thought the airplane... So as Shelong is getting the tickets and walking away from the counter, the dudes who were chasing them earlier come like through the door and start chasing her. I thought airline lady was going to like help him out somehow. Like, yeah, an that overhead been announcement nice, of yeah. like, there were two suspicious gentlemen, blah, 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 like something. Yeah, yeah, that would have been good. I agree. Nice bit of business. They're running through the airport and like climbing over stuff. And at one point, Shelly Long gets to the the metal detector cops, and she goes, "Those are bad guys." And then continue, doesn't even break stride. And the nope. cops are like, "Oh, sure this this woman must be telling the truth." <laughs> it's great. And uh, I guess you could just hold up the plane back there, like just talk to the person at the gate. I mean. There is a world in which this happens to you now and you're like, you know, they will be here in one minute. You can try to beg for a minute. I, I'm sure that could, you know, the right mood person, the right time, the right story. But yeah, I don't think you're I don't think this happens like this anymore. No. So Shelly shows up and then uh, as to make a, a it's a great distraction. She throws mm-hmm. she just didn't have to throw all the money. She throws the handful yeah. of money in the air and it's like, who wants free money? And yeah. In the chaos, because, duh, they run onto the plane. But I was like, you didn't have to throw all the money. Right. You could have tucked a, a wad into your bra mm-hmm. <laughs> or your pocket or whatever. And so uh, they get they like get to their destination, even though it's weird that they're, they're both on indirect flights to wherever they're going. But right. we only ever see them deplane once. It's weird. But did you notice Robert Prosky getting off the plane with them? I didn't catch that. I'm like, I mean, it's not a good rip that I watched, but it, I'm like 95% sure that it's Robert Prosky getting off the plane in no makeup. Hmm. Because later when he shows up, he's not wearing makeup first. Interesting. Okay. That definitely could be. I also love how little of a shit the luggage workers give on this at uh, the airline. That feels pretty accurate to today. Yeah, that as tracks. Well. Like luggage is falling off the like golf cart they drive. People are running into the like conveyor belt thing, and people are like, eh, whatever. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, I do love a good baggage carousel. Not baggage carousel where you pick up your bags, but baggage roller coaster belts. I the guess the inside part. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, they have this in Die Hard 2, and it's the best part of Die Hard 2, in my personal opinion. I just love a goofy old technology chase sequence. And Toy Story 2. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, And there's a great bit of sound design here. They're, like, throwing luggage at this cop, the guy who's chasing them. And he gets hit long enough to distract him, and so his head goes into a light, and it's the sound of metal on metal and a breaking light bulb, and it sounds... I mean, it probably is just the sound of, like, a ding you win sound of like hitting a whack-a-mole yeah, yeah. or a test your strength thing but it's such a nice little yeah, bit of yeah. sound design of that 
I also love the Borscht Belt joke that happens right after this, where they come out on the carousel and a man goes, I thought Coach was bad. <laughs> right. And I'm like, oh, wow. Did your bow tie spin around after that, bud? Here I thought Flying Spirit was rough. What do you think about the peanuts? So they see Peter Coyote get into a cab, and they decide to chase him by stealing a police tricycle. It's so, which, I you know, a, a seems... weird choice, ladies. Yeah. So they get there to the cabin where they, you know, see him go in, and they do this. This this is a nice little bit because at this point they've sort of bonded. They you know become a team sorta, and they both start checking their makeup and they're using. It's a little almost compact. like the moment in a Die Hard where like. Uh, John McClane and Samuel L. Jackson are covered in dust, kind of like yes, brushing the shoulders off. Like, <laughs> well, okay. It's when John's pulling the glass out of his feet and talking on the radio mm-hmm. to Al. It's it's yeah, it's very much out of a Die Hard movie. But it's I'd wish you luck, but I don't want you to win this. I'm still we're still fighting over a man after all. Which is funny because like, at this point you think neither one of them would want it. Like he's lying to both. Yeah, of them. exactly. Yeah, this guy stinks. You could both do better. So they like go into the thing, into the little like like sea shanty hut that he's in, and he like ducks behind some stuff, and then he gets shot. And the, when the agents come in, the two women hit them on the head with oars. And I, this is where I was like, I am a little nervous that this is all going to be an elaborate acting exercise, like. Oh God, that would piss me off. I was so like, much. I was like, if the end of this movie is like Stanislavski being like, "You see, ladies, I get the best performance. Now you have experience doing things." Like, I was like, I am a little like, oh, like a ten percent. Yeah, I was like, this could go that way, and God, I hope. No, not. it definitely could have. It definitely could have. Um. So he's like, well, I guess I have to kill you, ladies, now. And so they're running and then realize that, like, if he's a bad guy, then the people chasing him are the good guys. So they proceed to play a Mario Party 3 minigame and try and stay in the chopper light. Yes, it is. That is a Mario Party 3 game for sure. Except in that one, it's a, a piranha plant and a rain cloud. So the chopper lands and the dude hops out and one of them is the guy... I didn't like that. I was like, they didn't have a gun in that chopper to shoot at at th- this criminal. Like, well, I feel like they're afraid to shoot him because he, he has this. We find out very quickly here. So just fast forwarding a little, he has this chemical agent super weapon that can just turn the earth to cinder. Essentially, it just kills all plant yeah, it's life. Very bizarre. So maybe they're afraid to shoot him in case he's holding That's it fair. and just drops That's it. True. And yeah. But their acting class friend is CIA. And he, they find who, that uh, was in Silence of the Lambs. Right, 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 right. And the other guy, so, the Atkins, the other like uh, CIA guy, I guess, was in an episode of The Golden Girls where he played a politician that they were like campaigning for, and newspapers thought Blanche slept with him, but she didn't, and he was like, "Oh, actually, you know what? It, oh, you know what it was." It ended up being in the end that he was uh, a trans man. Oh. And so he was like, obviously, it was not phrased like that because it was 1985. But yeah. the whole thing, he was like, look, Blanche, whatever scandal I'm getting into with you is much better than whatever they would uncover if they really looked. So 
you're gonna go along with it. It's the same as it's the same as the Parks and Rec scandal, where he's like, "I'd rather be linked to you, Leslie Nope, than the four other women who I have multiple babies with." Yeah, exactly. So they learn about the toxin. Now they're trying to catch up with uh, Coyote, and they learn that Stanislavski is actually a KGB agent, which is kind of ridiculous. I liked this makeup transformation because it's it's Robert Prosky. It's straight out of Mission Impossible. Well, it's Robert Prosky in no makeup or like not corrective makeup. And he like turns around and then he goes to grab his face and they do some cuts back and forth and he like peels stuff off his chin. And then they when they cut back, he's like got a, just a blob of goo in it or like goo in his hand. And he's Robert Prosky mm-hmm. in the young age makeup that he's wearing for the rest of the movie. And I was like, that's a, yeah. a clever way to do that and hide that transformation. Yeah, I thought so, too. Yeah. So he sprays the CIA folks with knockout gas right before that. Then the van crashes. Shelly goes to run away. He shoots his gun. She goes down. Check off death scene. And then when he gets. Yeah. So he gets up there and he takes her pulse. And I'm like, is there, are you conserving bullets? Just shoot her again. Yeah. Just double boop, tap. And then double your problem has been solved. Yeah. But he takes her pulse, and instead she wakes up and snatches the gun away from him. And I was like, again, I was like, girl, shoot him in the leg. You know know what helps people not run away from you or attack you? A wound in their leg. Right. Put one in his kneecap. Mm -hmm. Um... And so, so they tie up both the CIA and the KGB I didn't get agents. why they were tying up the CIA. <laughs> right. The CIA seemed to be helping them at this point. Yeah. But so he was like, basically, I would put notes into Shelley Long's notebook and Michael would pick them up. And then he would put notes to me in Bette Midler's notebook so I could pick them up. And I was like, that's a clever explanation of why he was. It was. Both of yeah. Them. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And then. They so yeah they tie them up and they're like well we're gonna leave you bye and Bet Midler they're talking about how they could fall for Michael and Bet's like I attacked him in a Burger King and Shelley Long goes <laughs> why so does fucking pumpkin costume <laughs> it is good they end up going to they fly down a truck and they go to a sort of truck stoppy type place where they meet George Carlin who you know guy I like but I was like is he really going to play a native person in this whole movie? And immediately they're like, you're a white guy. And I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Movie. Yeah, I was like, I'm really glad that that was awkward. the direction. They, he's a hoot and a half in this movie, but I was like, yeah, it's, yeah, a yeah. Weird, it's a weird racism adjacent or racist. Like, well, no, it, like it, it's in the kayfabe of the movie. It makes total sense. He's just a huckster who's pretending to do this to make a buck. And it's like, it's fine then. Like, I, I was just worried that, that he was going to we be going to have yeah. to watch George Carlin in red face for a while. But I do. They do immediately have him do tracking like you'd see in an old Western. And he's he's walking and looking at these boot prints. And they're like, come on, they, this could be anybody. And he's like, well, no, it could be a man who weighs about 185 pounds and is limping on his right leg. Does that ring a bell? And they're both like, what? In terms of reaction. And then they go to a brothel. And I was like, is Beck going to do a number? <laughs> That's how she got like her start. Like feather, a feather boa and everything. Yeah, she was. She got her start in brothels. Bathhouses. She was singing in gay wow. bathhouses. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why she's the gay icon she is, because she start like literally wouldn't have started yeah, yeah. without the gays. 
So I got very excited that we were going to get a, a like a hello bet number. Hey, big spender. Yes, or I would have been very here for that. Uh, instead, we get a really good bit of business where they dress up as as men and the, the brothel owner thinks they're teenage boys and they're doing like a, oh, shucks, I, I'm old enough to see a naked lady. Don't you worry about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they sneak into his room, whatever. Okay, let's not downplay it. It's funny. They figure out which room it is based on they his moaning. The and then sound. outside, outside, they're like, well, he's almost done. So hold on up. Oh, and I bet he's asleep. Let's go in. Yeah, that was it. That was pretty wonderful. And they get the virus away from him. And I was like, Shelly is being a little cavalier with the way she's holding this little glass vial of virus. Yeah, I would not want to touch this thing. Yeah, I, I feel. I'm, I mean, I guess it makes sense that you would want to check in the room if it was in the little carrying case. But she like holds it up to the camera, like holds it up to the light, like it's the the fucking amber and the mosquito in Jurassic Park. This part is was especially confusing to me though, because like you said, why did they ditch the CIA if they were still going to go try to catch him? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, I can't figure out why they decided unless they were. I maybe I must have missed a line, so tweet at us if I did. But maybe they're just like, well, you weren't keeping us safe because you got not like you got infiltrated by the KGB. Yeah, that would make sense, I suppose. So they hop into the truck to leave town, but it doesn't actually leave town. So they have to walk back with George Carlin. And this is the phone bit they where we t- thought they tackle him, too, which is pretty funny. Oh, yeah. We thought it was going to be the third phone call to the phone guy. Right, right. Which it's not. But he does give them blouses and then. Because uh, you know what? That would remind me. The phone company thing would remind me of the end of Monster Squad, where Bet could be like, could you connect me through to the president? Yeah, yeah. It would have been like yeah. the end, like, dear army guys, we have monsters. Yeah, yeah. I'm really not supposed to do that, miss. Well, I really need you to do it, so please do it. So they're riding horses. No. Uh, Coyote Bet, returns. They kidnap Shelly Long before, as Bet rides away on a donkey. Oh, it's a donkey, not a horse. I'm sorry. And then <laughs> George Carlin's like, well, I happen to know a Native American motocross gang. <laughs> I thought this was really good. This movie dials it to an eleven several times throughout the movie, and it's always to the point when I'm like, "It happens," and I go, "Wait, what?" <laughs> um, this is where the score kicks in for that we were talking about the big Sylvester summer rental action sequence bits. Mm-hmm. So he Coyote sets up the demands for the money in this. It's very clearly a scene that they shot and then lifted the audio from in the edit to make it more smooth. Oh, yeah. Where he's like, here's what you're going to do. And he's describing things they're going to do as they're doing them, which I'm fine with. It makes the movie flow better. But it was clearly dialogue from like a phone conversation or something. So they have this elaborate thing where they have a rope and a briefcase is on the rope. And then there's this also little doohickey harness thing on the rope that he's going to put the violin they're going to just reel back up it just seems very convoluted it is so he always double crosses them for the money you can't right he's he says you can't land the helicopter so they try to get you know do this plan to get the the vial from him and then he shoots the helicopter pilot yes they they murder all three of these guys basically it's so weird and then <laughs> Coyote gets arrowed. 
Yeah, very unexpected to have an arrow sequence in this movie, I'm going to be honest with you. So this motorcycle gang that we just talked about shows up. It's it's not a motorcycle, it's motocross. Okay, motocross. To me, motorcycle gang feels very different than a motocross gang. Dirt bikers. They're dirt bikists. Yeah. And... There's a great, like, VFX slow-mo shot of the virus flipping through the air. Yeah. She catches it, and then we start climbing the rocks, and I'm like, finally, we get the image of the poster in minute 80 of this 89-minute movie. Or no, it's longer than that, but you get the yeah. point. And then they're, like, climbing up the... bet. They, she runs into Bette Midler, who's like, she's like, I have the $20 million and the virus. And Bette's like, I'll hold the money this time. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then they're climbing up this thing and Bet's trying to use the briefcase to help Shelly up and she can't. So she's like, oh, sorry. And kisses the briefcase and just hucks it off a cliff. And I was like, but how does that help you pull her up? Like, how did you get down to her now? Well, now her hand is free. I guess. I would have put that thing in my teeth. Yeah. Just FYI. Or I would have been like. Can you hold on while I shove money into every part of my body that's available? And then I will or, throw Or this? just, you hold on there, I'll climb up and come back down. I'll put the briefcase on the top of the rocks. There you go. So she hucks the, she's like, goodbye, and hucks the cash down the mountain. It cracks open and spills cash everywhere. And this is where we get the tw- the 10 seconds of fencing payoff, which just felt so weird. It was really dumb, too, because it starts with her throwing a rock at him, and she hits him pretty square on oh, with this rock, and good. then she picks up she picks up a stick, and he gets close enough that she can sort of fence with him, and it's like, parry, parry, thrust, run away! And that's the end of it. Yeah, she jabs him once and then runs. And as they're running... It was. F- I wonder if it was a lot more filmed, and it didn't look good, and they cut it. That's possible. Um, so as they're running away, Bet just eats shit and barrel rolls down a little hill. It's a pretty wicked looking stunt. And she did. A, 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 she said she wanted to. So I don't know if she actually did, but she did wanted to or did all of her own stunts while like several months pregnant. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's why she wears that big orange I would not sweater. Take... Oh, that makes a lot of sense. It hides how pregnant she is. This. This is one of the Chekhovs that we didn't set up earlier in the movie, but uh, Shelly asks her about her earrings, which she stole from a Christmas tree at Macy's or one of the big department yeah, stores. and they're giant. They look like hubcaps. Yeah, I mean, they're ridiculously large, but Shelly and Peter Coyote are at the top of this mountain, and Bette takes off one of her earrings, and she throws it, I don't know, 250 yards on a laser rope, straight, <laughs> perfect throw. <laughs> like, just... it's absurd. She, it should have been a Frisbee throw. Because they're flat. Like, right, but the, uh, the greatest... Noel, you know, Cy Young himself couldn't make this throw. And <laughs> Bette Midler's like, boom, and hits him perfectly straight on with it. So also, they this rock formation is called the, fi- the Four Fingers of God, because it's like a gap, mm-hmm. and then there's four spindly-looking rock structures. It looks like something out of series of unfortunate events. And so Shelley Long starts like jumping from one to the next, and I was like... What's mm-hmm. your end game? Because in the shots we the saw, thing. that just ends. Yes. So I think she was was basically saying, I think I can out jump this guy. 
and I'm just going to take my chance. It's like I have no other option left, right? I, yeah. have, le- I have zero cards left. We, I'm a good jumper. Let me see if I'm a better jumper than him, and then the helicopter will rescue me or something. And then we get Chekhov's Grand Jeté, and she does one last leap and, and makes it because that was the whole thing, and he doesn't, and he dies. Yeah, he just falls to his death, and he's out of the movie. Smash cut to Hamlet, final bow. Well, she does have a pretty good uh, Schwarzenegger-esque nine years of ballet, asshole. You're as right. Slips and slips down the. She things. did get. I, I she did get the one liner in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we 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 get and inexplicably every person they met along the way, except the cab driver. It's very is Pee-wee in Herman. It's very Pee Wee's Big yeah, Adventure, which yeah. I always appreciate. No, I don't disagree with you, but at the same time, I'm like, all right, this isn't a children's movie. Like, come on. We we don't need everybody here. I don't understand why all of Touchstone isn't on Hulu now. I agree. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I understand Disney won't put anything racy at all on their on Disney Plus. But like just make give their give Touchstone a like a button on Hulu and dump all your sure. shit there. Your splash, your Yeah, whatever. it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, they're dead to me because they canceled the very good remake of High Fidelity that was Zoe Kravitz, and it was supposed to be on Disney Plus. Then they put it on Hulu, and it was really good, and they canceled it after one year. So they're dead to me. <laughs> it's inexplicable that you can't. Beyond the fact that Touchstone should definitely be on Hulu, I agree. It's inexplicable to me that you just can't find this movie. It's not. It's it's, it's not streaming. You have anywhere. to rent it. Right, you have to rent it. It's it's not a cheap rental. It's like it's not a budget rental, even though it's a it should be a budget title. It's a almost forty year old movie at this point, thirty four years old. Yeah, it seems crazy. So, final thoughts. It's a fun movie. I'm 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 gonna expl- I want to explore more of eighties bet because she like she Disney got their hooks into her for their Touchstone division, and they were like, you're gonna make eight movies for us, and then you're gonna do Hocus Pocus. Yeah, I think it's a little shaggy. It's it's not quite a like a movie that I full on liked. I didn't find I don't have any animosity towards it. It's mostly fun and uh, pretty good performances from both Shelley Duvall. God damn it. Shelley Long. And uh, I only did it one time. I did it at the beginning of the show and here at the end. So I'm going to pat myself on the back. Yeah, you you got every other Shelley in the in the whole damn world. I think they're both really good in it, and I like a lot of this, but it, it has this, the problem that so, some road movies run into is it feels like a lot of sketches. Yeah. And I just I just just recently watched the Muppet movie, and I was struck by like how it is both an archetypal road movie and an archetypal sketch movie, because it, it's, it's just it basically a series of sketches. Yeah. So I don't have a big beef with it, but it does make it a little bit shaggy for my taste. But it's it's a solid way to spend a ninety minute Saturday afternoon. And like I said, I I I, I think both of them are really great. I think Shelley Long is a much better actress than she gets credit for, and it's kind of baffling Hills to me. I wonder if I wonder if she was in a different era, if it would be a complete like if I wonder if she if, if you could transport her to now and give her the same circumstances, if it would be the same deal. Because I think a lot of it is that's possible. Like eighties misogyny is a big part of it, you know. Yeah. But I did, I did, I did dig this. I had a fun time with it. Uh, certainly, certainly worth uh, checking out if you manage to see it. But it's obviously it's not out there much, so you uh, you'll have to track it down or rent it, I guess. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and at Dissect the 80s on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you in either place. If you haven't done it yet, go review the show. 
go review the show. It only takes a minute. It helps the podcast a lot. It's especially helpful if you can do it in the Apple Podcasts app or uh, I suppose on the computer. But if you do it anywhere else, you'll have to send us a screenshot to dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. We read those on the air. We would love to hear from you. Tell us what you think of the show. Don't forget to head over to patreon.com slash dissectingthe80s. There's a bonus episode coming there very soon and all sorts of great content. You get a monthly newsletter. uh, You get the archive of the first 78 episodes of the show. All sorts of wonderful things. So go check that out. It's patreon.com slash dissectingthe80s. We are a little over halfway to our goal of a bonus episode every single month on the Patreon. So help us get there and get a bunch more Dissecting the 80s shows. Our next episode will be two weeks from now in June. Pride Month. That's right. We are, I don't think, celebrating. We're not. I don't think it's anywhere related to Pride, but happy Pride, y'all. We will be doing Labyrinth. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.